Welcome to the MTR Network. We are back for our first superhero show that's back on DC, CW. It is Batwoman, or as I like to call her, Black Woman. I am Shanna, and I am here with Ro. <laughs> Wait till you see the title that I have picked out for the episode. You giggling now. <laughs> Oh dear, I'm scared. All right, so before we get started, because we did not uh, cover this show last season, I, we're going to very quickly, what were your thoughts on the first season of Batwoman? Um, I think that if you didn't watch the first season of Batwoman, you're going to be fine to jump right in to season two, which airs Sunday nights. On CW at eight, for y'all who don't know, it's an interesting time slot. I also think that um, they preserved everything about the show that I liked. They opened the op- the possibility for some interesting story direction with some characters that are actually pretty well fleshed out and developed and have emotional bandwidth. I think they're going to lose a lot of their season one fans. But I think they have the possibility of gaining more fans than they had the first show. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I, I watched the first two episodes, which we'll talk about tonight. <laughs> and I'm already more invested in the first after the first two episodes than I was after the first seven last season. I was going to say, I'm glad we ended up recording after having watched the first two because there were some things that came up in the second episode, like you said, that really showed how they are preserving the good parts of season one of Batwoman. Um, so note, I did not say good parts. I said interesting. <laughs> I'm going to say good parts. Because um, okay. I enjoy little things like the Rachel Maddow uh, pun, pun-filled voiceovers. Um, yeah, just As like Vespa on the radio. Yeah, Vesper Fairchild. Um, I enjoyed some of the characters that I feel like were better, fle- like you said, better fleshed out in the first season, and they still are getting to continue those stories. They're not just dropped okay. off. Yeah. Okay. It's a this is a comic book show. It's a superhero show, and it's the CW. And the reason why I say I don't think you need to watch the first season in order to get into the second and get engaged is because those three things mean you frequently get data dumps. The reason of somebody's past motivation, how they emotionally got to where they are right now. What's their context in this situation and how they fit in the narrative? They feed you all that. Quite frankly, last season, they fed it to you so much that eventually you just start screaming at your TV, bitch, I know, let's move on. Sorry, frustrated. <laughs> but but <laughs> what, I, what, I, what I also mean and what I really appreciate about what's going on is they are giving us a, a look at Batwoman and a look at Gotham that isn't really the perspective that a lot of people are used to. We're used Mm. to dealing with Commissioner Gordon and looking at things through the police. So that sets you up for a particular kind of copaganda that's Mm -hmm. quite frankly overdone and super played out and would not work with a black lead. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can make it work, but then we want (laughs) to burn down your police station. And since you guys would like us not to do that, and then the other major perspective that we always get is from Bruce and now with Batwoman Kate. So we're talking about two rich people who have a di- very different perspective on Gotham. Yes, Ryan and a very different valuation system of what's reckless. Yes. And when it's okay to be selfish. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's real easy to have a no kill rule when you're a billionaire. Yes. Or it's really easy, like they demonstrate in the second episode, to, you know, try and figure out where you're going to blow up a a bus and choose the area where there's a homeless encampment. 
That was very subtle and very nicely done, but we can't skip there, girl. That's almost the end of the second. I know, but I just really, I was like, okay, that is a delightful touch. Thank you, writers. Touch, and it was done very well. But uh, starting at the beginning, last season, Kate Kane comes home, discovers her favorite cousin is Batman, Bruce Wayne, and. She decides for her own selfish, motivated reason, she's going to assume his cowl and pick up his toys mm-hmm. and run around the city and doing things. So the majority of the first season was more about her coming to the understanding that, one, the world is bigger than her. Two, her daddy issues really need to get under control because they are in the way of her being able to see that the consequences of what she does aren't necessarily always personal. (laughs) But one of the really things that I'm liking that we're going to get second season is right out the gate, Ryan Wilder is nothing like Kate Kane. She's homeless. She lives in, well, excuse me. She's houseless. Unhoused. She's, she's a part of the unhoused. (laughs) She's, she's a member of the unhoused. She lives in her car. She has done 18 months in the maximum security prison, Blackgate, that quite frankly, every time anybody mentions it, I don't want to go. For a crime she did not commit. For Very clearly, not only for a crime that she didn't commit, but the way that she ended up having to take a plea for that crime Mm -hmm. is playing out in really interesting ways. The relationship she has with the people who put her in a position for being accused of that crime. Yeah. Um, uh, some very subtle byplays, things you would not get in the world of billionaires. Mm-hmm. And I say this with love. Part of the reason why you don't get that is because in that world, black people are the help. Exactly. No matter how much they may be highly valued. So that refers to a character who is being carried over from season one, Sophie Moore. Mm-hmm. I love Megan Tandy. She's a fabulous actress. I know you are a forever stand, but I would like to say that Megan has played Sophie so well that I hate her (laughs) with a deep and abiding passion in my heart. I don't hate (laughs) Sophie, but that moment when she, her and Ryan interact for the first time or what we see as the first time, obviously they have a, a past. I was like, Sophie, if you don't sit your cop ass down and shut up, like I, like you know, in the wake of in the wake of everything in these uncertain times, um, having Sophie be a cop right now, I was like, no, this is the thing that I like about it. The black community has very, very conflicted relationships about the concept of law and order, what we think it means, who we think should be in charge of it, how we think it should manifest itself in the community. And we have very, very strict and lines about that. If you cross that line, you're a cop. You're not with us. You're one of them. You're out. And as someone who has, you know, been in the legal field, I don't completely subscribe to that belief, but I also know it's not wrong. (laughs) I believe that we need people on both sides of the line and they need to be people who never forget that at the end of the day, they can take that uniform off, but unless they would like to flay themselves, the skin stays. Yeah. And the thing that I think is valuable about Sophie is the first season, Sophie was the un was the love interest of Kate Kane. So everything that they told us was molded around this Kate Sophie relationship mm-hmm. that comes from them going to an elite military academy from school. But we've talked about this before. They never really explored how Sophie ended up at that military academy. But it was mm-hmm. pretty clear she was probably a scholarship student because yeah. her parents were poor. They weren't even, they were working poor. I don't even think they would qualify as just straight working class because her mother described her as coming from nothing. Yeah. And, you know, in the community that has a certain meaning. Mm-hmm. So they kind of skipped the, you know, trip through the light fantastic and very, very lightly touched on the motivations for why Sophie may have made some of the decisions that she made. And um, they talk a lot about Sophie's advancement and and desire to advance and her ambition. 
but they they never quite touched on the nuance of how her race and gender play out in that because for them they're nuances yeah you know they're not they didn't build this character to acknowledge all the intersections that exist within them someone who's actually motivated to be called for service in a policing fashion wants to go into the military wants to serve sees that as a path forward not only for their own personal ambition but the thing that they feel that they can contribute back to the world and their community they want to keep people safe Mm -hmm. they want to get the bad guy um uh, and it's all laudable to say that they don't care what the bad guy looks like but as evidenced by how it's playing out this season, the relationship that Sophie as uh, the second in command of this private uh, extra military force that exists in Gotham run by Commander Jacob Kane, Kate's father. And you know how I feel about Jacob. Mm-hmm. He's trash. He's so trash. Um, he's so much trash. <laughs> he's a terrible father. Yeah. Um, and it's like you get a very unique perspective. She keeps choosing a path that boxes her in, in ways of her own making. And it requires her to refuse to acknowledge and to reject parts of herself. I've said it before, they created a character, instead of having this character have a certain sense of agency with respect to their ethnicity and their sexual orientation, they closeted her. Yeah. So she acts like she doesn't see factors of race. And that's really clear in the first introduction of the relationship this season. Okay. We All are, of we are going to jump. <laughs> yeah, we are going to jump around because certain things just come up in certain parts of the episodes. But well, okay. that Please scene with her and Ryan. Episode. Oh, yeah. Are we going to talk about it? Let's yes, talk about we're going to talk about it. Because. Starting episode two, Sophie has found out that Kate was Batwoman. Jacob has also figured out that Kate was Batwoman. Um, Because Kate (laughs) knew Sophie's ass can't keep nothing (laughs) from her daddy. Exactly. And And she ran and told Jacob. And so the two of them now are (laughs) interrogating people to find out, like, who knew what when. But then also Sophie gets pulled away because Ryan is arrested. And Sophie and Ryan have this conversation where Sophie or Ryan brings up the fact that she's been arrested multiple times for questioning for things she had no involvement with. And she's like, mind you, people like Alice are out here terrorizing the city. And how many times have they been arrested or brought in for questioning? And Sophie tells on herself well, what do you mean? Bitch, what? <laughs> Sophie's Why like, you have this job. Jacob, Jacob um, doesn't have any more sympathy for uh, Alice. And okay, <laughs> Ryan's pause. literally like, because <laughs> she was white. What are you talking about? <laughs> I was like, this sleepy boat. I swear to God. Like, Ryan and, was okay, like, I'm so- literally just talking about race in this situation. And Sophie's like, oh, so you don't know the whole. Oh. Oh, you're free to go. Okay, Thanks bye. For <laughs> Sorry for the misunderstanding because I'm trash. Okay, but to rewind to get back to the beginning, <laughs> end of the season of season one, Kate Kane has embraced being Batwoman. Um, she has an absolute inability to establish a good personal relationship because she has terrible taste in women. Mm-hmm. Um, and her terrible taste in women. Not physically. Physically, yeah, she I was gonna say not terrible in, in every <laughs> aspect. No, 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 no. If we're going strictly by looks, if we're going strictly by looks and the length of their legs, she's her taste is impeccable. <laughs> but if we're going by the content of their character and their ability to be trustworthy, she's 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 striking out. She's strike three with the first broad. That person, girl. I'm terrible. I'm so misogynist. I'm sorry, y'all. So, Sophie is her ex-girlfriend from military school. They got caught kissing. Kate refuses to sign uh, a refutation of homosexuality and gets kicked out. Sophie signs it. You find out mid-season because why not drag this out until everything's almost over? (laughs) That 
Sophie's mind was changed by Kate's father. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I've said, I said, I don't remember if I said this before. I think I did. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think the CW realized the actual connotation around the conversation that they set up to be had between Sophie Moore and that's the last time you'll see me or hear me acknowledge that we share a last name because mm -hmm. I hate her and Jacob Kane was he was telling her you might want to think twice about going in there and trying to stand up and say yes I'm in a home I'm, I'm in a relationship with the girl because you don't have the privilege to be, so. to be as reckless as my daughter. Mm -hmm. Now that's the message they wanted you to take from that. As a black woman watching that, I heard, don't expect me to defend you. Mm -hmm. Don't expect me to throw my weight around for you. Don't expect me to have your back. Mm -hmm. And that's important because he was a whole ass colonel in the military. Mm -hmm. If he had went to the school and told them, you're not kicking out the two best cadets this school has ever seen since its existence. You're definitely not kicking out my daughter, and you're not kicking out her girlfriend because you're not going to kick out my daughter. Mm -hmm. If he had put his foot down as a colonel saying, we're not losing these valuable recruits, it would have gone away. The school would have let it die. And they might have like separated them and gave them never-ending KP duty, but they were two weeks from graduation. He could have saved them. But at that moment, he makes it very clear to Sophie that that's not the world she lives in. She'll never live in that world. Yeah. But to everyone else, she ultimately becomes his number two at the Crows. So she's an extremely powerful, decorated, veteran of the military Black woman. She's yeah. a very powerful Black woman in, in Gotham, which is evidenced by the fact that when she decides she wants to go on a manhunt, she just straight be kicking in bodies' doors, and the police never tell her to stop once. But also, uh, and we did talk about this before, it, it at the same time that she is extremely powerful, that moment also sets in motion what we see from episode one, which is that Jacob right. sees her as expendable. Yes. So while she, she is very powerful in her position, there and that would be something really interesting for the show to fully explore. Um, what what and what goes through Sophie's mind when she's like, "I'm his number two. He, you know, he has elevated me to this position, whatever. But also, I am expendable to him." I don't think she's acknowledged that she's expendable yet because of the way she still talks. So Kate Kane is missing, presumed dead at the beginning of season two for a plane crash that has occurred where she was on the plane. And I don't think that we should explain everything that happened in season one that yeah. led up to her getting on that plane because I think it's going to have overturns in season two. That will actually be interesting for people who didn't necessarily watch season one. So what, what I Ryan finds about, Kate's suit. Yeah. Um, the the plane crash is it's a very interesting position in terms of Ruby Rose and what's been talked about because they have obviously no body, no death, but Allegedly. at the same time, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. plane crash, very definitive. And there's two moments in one moment in each of the episode where, you know, it's Kate speaking from the dead through either a letter or things she's written in the past. And both of those times, that is not actually Ruby Rose doing the voiceover. So okay, I, look, we had the conversation where we think Ruby threw up true deuces yeah, and ain't never, so, never, ever. Yeah, I'm just putting that out there so that people okay. know. Like, while you might, while we are going to continue to see the the remnants of Kate Kane's story and how she oh, has affected these people's mind. lives. I don't think Ruby's coming back to fill in any of them. Yes. No. <laughs> like, you know, on a in, in a juxtaposition between um, Jaceva Leslie and Ruby Rose, it's already obvious what's being asked of Jaceva emotionally is already more complicated than what was accepted from Ruby Rose in the first season. Yeah. And I think it's because of the thing that I mentioned before. People are not comfortable watching a non or at least a white presenting character 
function from a place where it feels like their emotional base is rage. Mm -hmm. It is abundantly clear already in season one, episode one, they don't have that same reticence with respect to having it being a black Batwoman. Now that bothers me a little because we know the reason they have less problem with it is because of the stereotype of black black women. but I'm delighted by it because it opens the door to allow the Ryan Wilder character to have the full range of emotions in the hands of an actress who so far looks like they're capable of living up to what's going to be called for them. And um, there's an open question of whether or not the reason why Kate Kane ended up being so weak is because of the backtracking they did on her introduction mm-hmm. um, on the other CW shows, or if it just turned out Ruby didn't have bandwidth, we will never know because um, I believe he, we at the MTR network are saying we do not believe that Ruby Rose cut back. Yeah, not and in any also, kind of permanent capacity. If what's interesting is while they are allowing uh, Ryan's character to truly be angry and operate from a place of like anger and revenge justify um she still has a lightness to her that right ruby's bad that woman did not have <laughs> that's because kate was conflicted and traumatized on a personal familial level level differently than how they've written ryan walder which comes into the other characters who've been kept uh mary hamilton is still here uh her half sister um played by nicole kang brilliantly well played by Nicole so Kang. So um, uh, flighty socialite and medical student by day, uh, hood doctor by night running an illegal clinic that feeds and meets the needs of Gotham's underbelly and downtrodden. Yeah. Also uh, now working still- in the Batcave. <laughs> also now working in the Batcave. I do feel like she got short shrift in the family dynamic conversation. Mm-hmm. I feel like we could have gotten a lot more energy and investment in the Kane family if they hadn't always made the merry interactions with Kate Kane an afterthought Um, because she's the living testament testament to the recklessness of Kate Kane as Batwoman. Her mother got murdered by Kate Kane's nemesis who turned out also to be her fraternal twin sister, Beth Kane. That's not a spoiler. You need to know it going into season two. Um, But you also have her trusty sidekick, Lucius Fox's son, Luke, uh, played admirably by Camarius Johnson. But I'm hoping now that we have three major speaking parts being played by black people, not just non-white people, but by black people, some of the low-key white splaining that happened first season will stop. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have because, a moment in in the second episode where, like, Luke points yeah. out very pointedly, "You're black. Uh, people going to know you're black." Because <laughs> Ryan's like, "I could just put on the suit and and be Batwoman." He's like, "You're black." They go, no, it's not you. I mean, she had a whole magazine cover. They know she white. What's she doing? They never pretend that she's supposed to be Kate Kane's Batwoman. So the first two episodes do a really good job of establishing good reasons why Ryan Wilder needs to not only have the suit, but be in the suit. They do a really good job of leaving it open-ended with respect to the Kate Kane line, because I do believe it would have been a mistake if they closed that off because Ruby Rose is not Kate Kane. Kate mm-hmm. Kane needs to stay in the, in the Arrowverse or in the DC world because yeah. she exists here. Um, and it becomes even more important when you realize that the big bad behind it all, Sophia, do you know who Sophia is? Like so, in the comic world? I don't know a ton, ton about her, but I do know it's all part of that whole like Ra's al Ghul, like yeah, that, yeah. that world. Yeah. It's, it's, the ar- it's the League of Shadows, the yeah. army. And, but I meant specifically, do you know why Sophia might have been in season one trying to get a weapon that would have allowed her to kill Batwoman? 
I feel like I looked it up back in season one and did not look it up again. Go, you can go ahead. Okay. <laughs> so with respect to all of the major women on this show, what is the one thing that they so far have all had in common if they're not related to Kate Kane? They're gay. They dated. <laughs> they smashed. Oh. Sophia is Kate Kane's ex. Ah. Just like Jules Pennyworth. Which is why Tafaya was willing to take the deal that Jules really offered in season one, saying, stop trying to kill her this way and I'll get you this thing that you want. Not realizing that getting her the thing that she want was just going to give her a new way to kill Batwoman. Yeah. That she wasn't necessarily, yeah, it's just a girl. It's an ex-girlfriend. Oh, Kate Kane's ex-girlfriend <laughs> would like to exercise her from their life by murder. And oh her sister. God. Her sister would like to murder her. Uh, Jules was willing to betray her from day one. Mm -hmm. I understood why trust issues was a narrative that couldn't die <laughs> season one. When your first ex basically leaves you hanging and says she don't love you and turns her back on you. And then when you see her again five years later, she married to a whole man. A whole <laughs> man. A whole white man. Not even True, a pretty white man. man. Just a white man. Uh, can I also Regular say... mayonnaise level white man. Just just in case, before anybody was about to write their whole think pieces about it, this bat chick is gay too. They make they make sure to let you know right off the bat. Right she up gay. Front. She gay. Her ex is a lady. <laughs> now, I do... We've talked about this before, and my complaint is um, I believe that the way that they chose to handle the relationship between Kate Kane and Sophie was by erasure. Mm -hmm. um, I also believe that it is really, really disrespectful to people where non-monogamy is a respectful component of their relationship um, because there were so many more interesting storylines that could have been done had they not decided that Sophie just needed to be in the closet. And I was like, you know, um, she could like boys and girls and Kate could just be her first love. And then after Kate, it's been a whole last five years. We all know she didn't put her vagina on ice. Yeah. <laughs> so she fell in love she moved on with her life. She continued forward. She grew up. She met a man. Mm -hmm. She fell in love. So they they set up a dynamic that I'm glad can't, if I'm lucky, be carried forward past the first season because it was gross. Mm -hmm. um, I also am happy that it looks like, like I predicted and hoped for, the weird relationship between Kate Kane's two exes in season one between Jules Pennyworth and Sophie Moore appears to be di yeah, that's dying that's or if not all the way dead. Cause yeah. that was just gross. Dead gross. on the vine. You know, what's also interesting now that I think about it, they also didn't have to do the whole thing of her just being a closeted uh, lesbian because we, we have bisexual characters in the Arrowverse. They've done yes, it do. successfully. Like, mm -hmm. Sarah Lance is out here dating every woman and man she can get her hands on. Sarah Lance. And they're happy to be dated. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, so, like, this was I not personally a thing think, you had to do. But I, but I think part of it has to do with the way that they feel like... I thought it was more of a, a commentary on monogamy. I thought it was a dig at people who might be poly. Because they automatically assume that there would have had to have been some form of adultery or cheating in this relationship. Mm -hmm. And don't get me wrong. If you're in love with someone and you never resolve that, but you, that relationship dies and ends for whatever reason, and you move on with your life to other things. And then that person comes back in your life and you're reminded of all the things that you liked about them and loved about them but you don't want to give up the relationship you're in with them, but you know you need to work through your feelings because you have no intention of letting it torpedo the relationship that you've got, that would have been a great storyline to see. For her to say to her husband, I'm with you, I love you, I'm not trying to leave you, I'm not trying to cheat on you. But instead they did the, how come you never told me about this person? 
And that automatically right there sets up a snowball that only mm -hmm. takes a narrative in one direction. And I was like, well, you automatically made it to where if she gets with Kate, she's cheating. She has to cheat on her husband or she has to leave her husband, which makes her look like faithfulness is a problem. We already mm -hmm. know the girl can't keep a damn secret. <laughs> Now you're trying to tell me that I'm supposed to question her ability to be faithful. And if you're telling me I'm supposed to question her ability to be faithful, how am I supposed to believe she can be loyal mm -hmm. to anybody but for anything? It's also uh, doing that would have also had to like actually make her husband a character and not a, a, a placeholder. Like, I'm sorry. He was a plain old mayonnaise paper bag. Maybe it, that's why they it felt did. like it was like he was such a afterthought in every yeah. single possible respect. Like, and that's like, what's so disrespectful about mm -hmm. it to presume that she was just wearing him like a coat that everybody expected her to own and put on every once in a while. But she looking this man in the face and saying, I love you. That's gross. Yeah. That's what I mean. What I don't mean gross the physical relationship. Like I didn't like the Sophie Jules dynamic because Jules Julie Julia Pennyworth is also an ex of Kate Kane mm -hmm. and they have a complicated relationship, which quite frankly carried a higher level of honesty in it because it happened later in Kate's life. Mm -hmm. And you had to be a different kind of honest to get next to the Kate who'd gotten betrayed by her first love. Um, so Julia has unrequited feelings for unresolved feelings for Kate, mm -hmm. but she's also a whole ass super spy and not above using her hoo-ha to insert her into investigations into a whole agency like the crows to get whatever it is that she needs and she wants. Yeah. So to watch that be the rebound relationship that they let Sophie have felt really kind of grimy to me when they could have just allowed it to develop as a very solid professional relationship where they have a meeting of the minds. And I really feel like sometimes when it comes to homosexual characters, writers think that if you've got two people who vibe, they must have to want to smash. Yeah. And it's, that's, I, don't I mean, like that. it's also <laughs> we talk about the, Kate opened a whole entire gay bar. Like, why couldn't Sophie mm -hmm. just be going to the bar, you know, smashing and grabbing, doing like, you know, just. I mean, if you want to make your girlfriend jealous, by all means, pick up girls at her bar. Exactly. Like, it just didn't have to. That'll be resolve y'all's problems. It just didn't have to be this. <laughs> um... <laughs> but you carry through all these things, and then you get to someone like Ryan, where we're introduced to her with a flashback at a moment of her finally getting to a place in her life where her, her her foster mother's proud of her and she's moving into an apartment and everything's going well. And then you find out very quickly that it all falls apart because they open the door to find squatters there. And uh, her mother ends up dead. The landlord ends up dead. Uh, she ends up beaten within an inch of her life and somehow ends up in the custody of the crows. And... Uh, through the crow's investigation becomes the number one suspect yeah. and ends up having to take a plea deal and go to jail. That is a an amazing background to give to the person who finds Kate's bat suit after that plane crash. Mm -hmm. And that's how they start the show. And, and I really also like that uh, she says it in, in the second episode. She's like, the, the two most meaningful moments of my life were finding my uh, foster mother and finding that bat suit right. and and you can see it through and they the lead up to her saying that you can truly see it like this is a a woman who has had every single raw deal along the way and the one time she had something good it was immediately taken from her and she she doesn't put on that suit lightly. And I appreciate that. Well, that she did the first time. <laughs> <laughs> but even with that, like the reason why she put it on was because she's like, I'm finally, she says uh, the social worker that she has, the social worker parole officer that she goes to see, um, who's like questioning her about why she hasn't found employment. Why, why hasn't she found a house? She's like, you have the power in this situation, Ryan. And she's like, 
I have no fucking power. She's like, who is trying to hire me? Who is trying to give me a chance? I'm an ex-con. I don't have a place to live in. I don't have income. Like, I, I have no power in this situation. And so when she first puts on that shoot, she's like, let's be powerful. Let's ha- right. be powerful for the first time. But that's the thing that I liked about this that I didn't think um, the first season did very well. This season, I feel like they recognize where they need to have moments. I don't necessarily feel like they know exactly what to do with them quite yet, because we both mentioned before that they have a speech in here that feels like somebody listened to a little too much Maya Angelou. Uh, Ain't I Um, that woman? And then the second episode had that uh, representation matters, hashtag representation matters moment. Yeah. You know what it really is? It's exactly what they did Supergirl. I'm going to punch you. It's exactly what they did on Supergirl, where like the first season of Supergirl, every episode they were like, girl power. Like, like, I was like, what what is this? Like, fucking uh, Spice Girls? Like, every single, it was like, girl power. But I will be real. Those moments are the right moments where something needs to be. Mm -hmm. That's where it converges in to where if you actually do read comics, you realize that social issues and what like people called about to call politics which i'm really starting to remember when people say politics they just mean anything that has to do with non-white people and non-straight people um those moments need to happen because that's where those intersections were so Mm -hmm. i didn't necessarily like the content of the speech they had her give in the first episode of i'm just a number i did like her delivery Mm -hmm. and i liked that they recognized that that was a moment and there needed to be something there i don't necessarily like how they've handled some of the dynamics, but I am liking the relationship that they're building between Luke and Ryan because Luke needs to. Luke has been hanging around privileged white people too for much. too long. For I, too and, long. Yeah. <laughs> like far too long. I'm Luke... not. I'm not gonna. You know, say he's Candace Owens, but I'm just saying he he's has not. a loyalty. At... No, he's Don't not that. that. He's not. If anybody on this damn show is Candace Owens and Sophie and her bad edges, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Oh, uh-uh. okay. Wait, we not go. Okay, hold on. Uh, because we we gonna talk about some edges in a second. No, but I'm saying like Luke has a loyalty <laughs> that is not understandable. <laughs> like it is. But his loyalty is understandable. He, I, he's not loyal to their wealth. Mm-hmm. He's not loyal to their class. He sees the function they serve as necessary because he isn't blind to what the world is like that they live in. When I say that he's been hanging around privileged white people too often is every once in a while, he'll say something that you need to have a lot of money to get away with saying. And he's been permitted to live in that level. And he is considered family to Bruce Wayne Mm -hmm. in a way that even Kate wasn't to her own father. So he does have that privilege and he is speaking from a place that he has a right to. It's just watching it. (laughs) It's a problem because you also know he has the life he lived as Lucius Fox's son that was separate from the Waynes. He has the life he lived as someone who was smart enough to get into MIT. He still hasn't made a reckoning that he truly is the heir to Lucius Fox. And I think separating him from having to be Kate Kane's leash and her emotional anchor and her bookkeeper and the keeper of her conscience and her moral integrity, if you take some of that stuff off the plate, you make room for Luke, Um, especially because a lot of the mysteries that are happening, he's going to figure out his father is the, is the, was the reason and the point, not Bruce. Like, there are plenty of people who don't know who Bruce Wayne is, Batman, but everyone knew what the value of Lucius Fox was mm-hmm. and what he did for Wayne Enterprises. Mm-hmm. So I am, I do appreciate how that that story arc and the trajectory he's got going and is growing. And I and I, I like the opportunities that we've seen now that he's the one who's saying he's he's basically calling the shots in a way that he didn't in the first season and he's got a little bit more control and agency because he's back to being the keeper of the bat cave yeah like he doesn't feel like he has to give way to the person in the suit because the person in the suit isn't a wayne and isn't a cane and i what i like about it is i think 
those same nuances that we talked about with Sophie that they have not really explored, they have to come up in his interactions with Ryan because they come from... They have the same race, but their backgrounds are very different. Their interactions with the world are very different. Again, that that very yeah. that one small line about there's a homeless encampment there. Like Ryan thinks about the things that he doesn't think about. And he's like, yeah, this should be empty, and she's like, and yet it's not. Yeah, Mister, I live in Wayne Tower. Exactly, because I don't. You don't know as much as you you consider yourself a protector of Gotham. You don't know the Gotham I know, and so yeah, well, he doesn't. Be really he doesn't go in the Gotham. Like yeah. Bruce, Batman, Bruce would have known that building wasn't empty because he doesn't just look at Gotham through cameras. And that's all Luke did. Mm-hmm. And that's where you see that Luke is still young, that he still is sheltered, that he has a high level of naivety outside of his expertise, and that his expertise is going to expand in order for him to be the handler of a Batwoman who's been into prison. And the speech that I did like and that I thought they did well in the second episode is when you realize... Um, after Kate, after Kate is gone, Ryan's in the suit. She tries to find the person who is responsible for her mother's death, gets a lead. And then you realize really quickly that they're going to resolve a storyline that only would have worked if Kate Kane was still Batwoman, Mm -hmm. Tommy Elliott. And, um, when you realize at that moment, for me, when I knew, I'm like, no, nah, she could be in the suit is when she beat his face off. Yeah. She beat his whole face off. And you're like, okay, so she didn't go to an elite military school, but when they said that she's trained for martial arts, she's really trained for martial arts. And you start to realize why she's having difficulty getting a job. Her skill set is for security, mm-hmm. um, close person protection. No one's going to hire somebody mm-hmm. with, mm-hmm. as the title of the second episode says, a prior criminal history. And then you realize also very quickly they have a moment where Mary and Luke need somebody in the suit because Alice is trying to figure out if Kate is really dead and she unleashes something horrible in the city. Um, When she comes in and she says, yeah, but she didn't hang around criminals. (laughs) I know how they act. I know how they think. And I know how to beat them. You know, and she says that to Luke. And it's the first time that I really felt like him speaking from the place of his privilege to someone who comes from a different place was perfect because he wasn't being arrogant. He wasn't being obnoxious. It was like the best job interview ever. Here's what the last person who had this job could do. What makes you think you can do what they do? Because I'm not going to let you tarnish the legacy of this suit. Because I had problems with them being in this damn suit. (laughs) And I liked it, too, because it comes after the first episode where Ryan herself doubts that she can be the hero of this story. And, you know, Mary doesn't. Yeah. And she Mary doesn't. And and Ryan is stepping into that. Like, no, I do have a, a, a reason to be in this suit. I also... I don't know how I missed this the first episode, um, but they say it explicitly in the second. Uh, Mary's mother has also been killed by Alice, just like (laughs) Ryan's mother was. I'm really excited for them to be friends is what I'm getting at. (laughs) I'm excited for... You forgot that Mary's mama got murdered by Alice? I, like, I that didn't, was one of the better well done episodes I didn't honestly forget but when I was thinking about reasons why they should be friends I was like oh Mary is like really taking Ryan in and like boosting her up and da, da, da. but I didn't really think about also that shared both trauma and also like Mary doesn't fuck with Alice that was one of the big issues with Mary and Kate, uh, Kate was that she was like take this bitch out <laughs> like just do like, it could we please arrest her for real yeah and could you beat her up before you do it she killed my mama exactly but and Ryan's like yes yes <laughs> it's like I would like to know why everybody thinks I'm supposed to forget this broad killed my mom exactly that's one of the things that I am. I'm not really happy that I feel like they did a reset on some of the clunky language that by the middle of season one, we'd gotten rid of and we had found a new rhythm for the dialogue that felt better. And it feels like they they went a little bit further backwards 
into some of the stuff that wasn't working in the first season. So, but I will say this, I think people should bear with season two. Mm-hmm. I don't, I think you should give it a chance. It has an opportunity for a kind of action packed authenticity and talking about things from a direction that we wouldn't ordinarily get, not even in a superhero show, because you have an extra military an extra judicial force front and center. So we're not necessarily dealing with the police. So when you talk about somebody doing something and being a dirty cop, it's always a possibility it could be a crow. And I think that's a unique thing that you get here. And then by the end of the episode, you realize that they're not just going to waste Alice because Kate Kane is gone. But now Alice can truly be a different kind of villain. And you know I love the actress who plays Alice. So I've I've watched her since she was on Lost Girl. I think she's perfectly unhinged and she's got an amazing performance toolkit. And Rachel said, I was watching a little interview thing. Rachel said, she's more unhinged if that's possible. I was like, girl, you right. Because Alice is already unhinged. So I love it. Look, she she (laughs) wants to kill her daddy after she makes him suffer. She wants to kill her sister if she can find her. What I think, yeah, I think people should definitely stick around because unlike Black Lightning, and this is oh. not a dig because I, I, Facebook reminded me that I did really like Black Lightning when it first came out. So That's this because is the first incarnation of Black Lightning was brilliant. Yeah. So, but and I got rid of their writers. I think they, I. What's different is while this is, um, while it is front loaded now or, you know, stacked with way more black main characters, it's not trying to be the, the, the blackity black, we're going to have a rap song specifically tailored to every episode. So coming off of season one, we're going to get to talk about those nuances of race in a way that they weren't talking about in season one but it's also that's not... because we weren't talking about season one because i have notes <laughs> i have a whole notebook of notes but i just mean it's not <laughs> going to be while at the same time we can get into some of those nuances that we couldn't or didn't get into in season one it's not even with me calling it it's not black woman it's not the black woman show no, and... but this is this is what I like about it. This is a show that has black people on it. It has shows that has issues that matter to black people that impact and affect black people. They are writing in ways that do not pretend that these people are not black and they are not afraid to say the word black. Yes. With a capital B. But um to speak to your greater point, I think they accidentally built a really good sandbox for a non-white fat woman mm-hmm. because you they dragged us through all of the completely utterly personal ridiculous origin story trash that everybody is tired of dealing with for comic shows in the first season and quite frankly for all its faults and weakness at a core character place for a myriad of reasons um it wasn't a bad season no i'm sad to say i think a lot of people are going to check out and not give the second season the shot that it deserves and it's going to be things like i don't care if black woman could be bad black i'm I'm mad that she's black i think we're going to see a lot of opting out because of that i think people are going to think that they're going to try to blacken it up because you know apparently just the mere presence of more than one black person with more speaking roles than yes boss because a lot of people wrote luke off as a secondary character in a way that allowed them to pretend like he wasn't black and because you know they always dressed him in the the two black people on this show before could very easily have been overlooked due to respect to politics issues black Mm -hmm. folks have Mm -hmm. i think that would have been a mistake because there was a lot of there was a lot of nuance and growth there that quite frankly should resonate with black people especially black men because luke poor luke and the shit he had to put up with 
But the other thing that you're going to get this season when you do this is you're going to get things from the false face society. You're going to get issues and, and narratives and the conspiracies with the crows because what they haven't really touched on is how often the crows are responsible for innocent people having gone to jail, mm -hmm. not just because of corruption within the police force, but because of their refusal to properly handle the Wonderland gang led by Alice. And then so also, I mean, you open the second episode with everybody is mad because the one person really they did feel like was protecting them was Batwoman and the crows were shooting at her. After having betrayed her. After having betrayed her. So like they have, now the crows have even kind of like, whereas before the crows were seen as a necessary evil, they're losing even that in, amongst the people of Gotham. And considering that Alice made sure they lost their patina for being the security to the rich and famous and the elite, mm -hmm. the only thing they had left is what's being stripped away from them now. Mm -hmm. And that brings me to where I think we probably should stop for this mm -hmm. episode. Um, Sophia, um, the big bad from the island who surfaces for revenge, she appeared via a storyline of someone trying to get their hands and a weapon to kill Batwoman that Alice betrayed. So the assumption is that Sophia killed or brought down the plane that Kate Kane was on as punishment for Beth Kane, AKA Alice, the leader of the Wonderland gang for betraying her. And because Julia Pennyworth went back on a deal that she had made to get a book owned by Lucius Fox that would have told Sophia how to kill Batwoman. Now, again, I told you, Sophia is, is Kat Kane's ex-girlfriend. Um, the character, this is the first time I have a slight complaint, and I think it's a petty one, mm -hmm. but I, th I think it's because I was really excited. Um, the You're going to meet a character at the very end of the second episode named Tahina. Tatiana. Tatiana. Yes. Right. Tatiana is a mashup. And the reason why they could not keep the original character is because the original character is known as the knife, which is why she has that big blade. She comes to get Alice, who is um, uh, number two for Sophia, who is Sophia's ex-girlfriend <laughs> and don't like that woman because she stole her girl. So they have her listed in <laughs> the But she's supposed credits. to be Nigerian. And I was really excited to see if they were going to cast a Nigerian woman for the role. But did you see her how she was listed in the credits? Because she wasn't listed as the knife. She was listed as right, the, which... the, the whisper. Oh, they're cheating. Yeah. I want the knife then. Give me the knife. So we it's might, supposed we, to be the knife. We might get the, what, I want the, the knife. knife. Ooh, you Look, know what would be great? Are we going to go to the island? I, so here's what I so this was led to my what do you want to see this season what I would okay. like to see this season now that we have Sophia now that we see that there is like some step backstory with Alice and and with Kate and all this other stuff I would like a Oliver Queen type flashback episode of how Alice became the villain she is now because we saw young Beth and the trauma and stuff she was going to, but we still don't know how young Beth, even with all that, got all the way to Alice. And because so she had to have gone through the island, Coriana, because she has this desert rose. Mm -hmm. Now, I know it feels like we talked a lot of detail. <laughs> we kind of tried to seed it in by talking through themes from seasons one into the episodes one and two. We did not spoil episode one or episode two because we actually avoided talking too much about the main storylines in the actual episode and kind of tried to talk themes. Please don't hold us to that format. If shit gets real, y'all be gonna lose our minds. You know we are. But the reason why we did it for the first show out the gate is because of the things that, well, I hope to see going forward. I would also like to see the montage or at least give me a whole ass, give me a flashback episode of Beth in the 
uh, with the League Shadows or or bring in the knife because then we actually have to get the training for and how did the Whisper get there? I would like to know how the band of merry badasses who surround Sophia came together and what was the training Alice got? Because you don't go from being the little girl who snapped her bolt and set somebody on fire with their own oxygen tank to being able to do Krav Maga style fighting with a full body block back from a Batwoman. Mm -hmm. And that is the action sequence you get in episode two on a rooftop between Ryan Wilder and Alice. And they both got hands, y'all. They both got hands. And my other little thing, now that you've brought up this uh, knife woman, I would love to see a uh maybe the knife shows up and we don't know that she's the knife and she insinuates herself into ryan's life oh, and then we i could go with that see a little little honey pot situation a little maybe a regan I, situation i mean look if kate kane can get some ryan quality, better be getting some Rob, <laughs> i would also like to see them be smart enough to just have Wayne Enterprises lift Ryan as an employee so she can have a life outside of just being Batwoman. And with respect to that, I would like there to be more interaction between Sophie and Ryan. And I, quite frankly, would like to see Sophie fall hard yeah. mm -hmm. on her face. Yes. In the street, I think surrounded well, by not, people. Not that much, but I do think Sophie is due for a fall. <laughs> I think her fall is going to be realizing that Jacob Kane sees her as expendable, and I hope that that comes up. And but she needs a fall from Grace. She yeah, actually she needs to fall hard. And actually, what would be really smart is if Mary hires Ryan to be her personal bodyguard, puts her on a salary, and then they also have a reason and excuse why they're always around each other. I like that too. I would also like to see Mary more involved with taking over Hamilton Dynamics since she is her mother's direct heir. She did start that a little bit in this in the second episode. Well, she she, she mentioned bringing something important to Hamilton Dynamics. So I feel like she is going to start to take a little bit more control there. So I, I think that she needs to take it over because I think there's more infiltration there that we need to know about. Because again, we also don't know how Alice knew what was going on in Hamilton Dynamics before she just started kidnapping scientists and murking them. Mm -hmm. um, and again, the thing that I also am hopeful for because I think that um, Alice is one of the best defined villains that we've gotten, especially of the of the woman variety, y'all. Calm mm -hmm. down. Uh, I would like to see mayhem. I would like to see pure and adulterated. You're not my sister, so let's get at it. Mayhem. Mm -hmm. I want violence. I would like to get real close to breaking that rule. You know, that no-killing rule that I think is dumb. A lot. <laughs> I want it. I and I want it. And I I hope we get some of the camera work that she started to get closer to the end of season one. I wasn't happy that we got a lot of the fight scenes so far and a lot of the drive scenes were aerial and full pullback shots. I hope we get some close body, close camera work because the Batmobile is here, y'all. Yes. Also, now that I think about that no-kill rule, there is a certain person who is very adamant about that no-kill rule, and I think that they might be the first person to break it once I they find that, out some stuff. I, I, mean, I mean, I didn't say I wanted Batwoman to have to break the rule, did I? <laughs> <laughs> I think we should stop there. Yeah, there's so much. Uh, there's so much. There's so much, y'all. Really I think there's, there's, jump in. Yeah. Jump in. I'm going to have to take notes for this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Batwoman airs new episode Sunday nights at 8, yeah. 7 central on the CW. It is absolutely worth watching. You can watch the first two episodes on demand uh, or on CW the app TV. or your CW.com. <laughs> and we are going to be back every two episodes because I think it's abundantly clear that we're not going to not have enough of a story mm -hmm. arc to have a really good discussion. Um, but every two episodes because it feels like that's how long they take to build us a story. Yeah. So we will see you after episode four. No, five. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. four. No, well, three and four. We'll see. If they take a hiatus, it might make sense to do it after episode five because I know everybody's shooting schedules. They're building in like these weird breaks basically so they can like take off and make sure people still don't have COVID and all that kind of stuff. So we'll see how it plays well, out. Well, hopefully. But... 
hopefully we can stick to a two on two on two on two and they will drop on tuesdays on super Re recap tuesday so <laughs> super yeah, tuesday we'll recap. all right huh <laughs> super i tuesday know recap. <laughs> i said what i want to say i'm gonna change the name chris ain't here he can't stop me you up in the bay i'm in diego you gonna come down here and get me what you gonna do what? <laughs> okay thank you and we will see y'all soon <laughs>